Hi, I'm Ivan Fairhall. I'm the CEO of Mawson Gold. It's listed on the TSX main board. Uh, Mawson has a PEA stage uh, million ounce rayopalot gold cobalt project in Finland, uh, a new discovery in Sweden, which is in the shadow of the head frame of 7 million ounces, and a controlling interest in uh, the ASX listed spin out Southern Cross Gold. We're exploring in the Victorian gold fields, most notably the Sunday Creek discovery. Uh, so Mawson's a company with great fundamentals. Uh, is trading a bit of deep discount to a really sort of strong portfolio of assets and they all have forward momentum and value catalysts upcoming that are funded. I'm Jose Vizquerra, President and CEO of 403 Mining. We have a advanced project in Valdor, Quebec, one of the most important regions in Canada, over 40 million ounces being produced. We have 2.3 million ounces, a preliminary economic assessment showing $423 million at 5% discount rate. For a market cap of $110 million today with over $80 million in cash and equivalents. Yes, you heard it well. $80 million out of 110 market cap. Right. And we're going to come, we're going to come back to that. So we're going to talk about that in the context of, of a, a week which has seen uh, JP Morgan, precious metal traders um, in court revealing uh, their secrets. And um, for those people who perhaps had a um, felt there's a kind of conspiracy out there to um, manage and uh, oppress the press metal market. You may well be um, proved right, but I want to want to see how you guys view it. CEOs of precious metal companies, how do you view these things? Are you looking at the macro um, economy, or are you just focused on what's important to you? I mean, Ivan, what what's your working day look like? Look, macro is important because investor sentiment sets the tone for a lot but at the end of the day you know we don't control the macro uh, so we need to be I, I say i would say that we need to be aware of it conscious of it and, and consider it in the kinds of things that we're doing how we deploy our capital um, what we spend our money on and, and the pace at which we spend it but ultimately the goal is to invest in value accretive do value accretive activities do things that are going to add value to the company uh, and uh, and the price, uh, which is a lot dictated by the macro, which you're talking about, that is outside of our control to a large extent. Uh, so it's really just focusing on the things that we do control in particular. What about you, Jose? Capital allocation certainly is the most important job of a CEO and having in, uh, in the big scheme of things what the macro is telling us will allow us to prepare better how to invest your money. You know, um, these are not the moments where you want to accelerate any, any project. These are the kind of moments where if you have money to deploy and you can wait, uh, you're better off being cautious. Right, but you, you guys, both of you must look at what's going on out there, okay, right. You know, and you've got politicians and economists arguing over the term recession. What does it actually mean? You're seeing that inflation is is um, causing costs to rise across the board. So retail investors and I guess institutional investors, to some degree, and we'll perhaps talk about that in a bit, um, have less disposable income, less discretionary spend, and you must factor that into a view as to, well, is the liquidity going to come back in the market? Um, and for junior miners, that's an important component. So you, you must be a little bit concerned about that, Ivan. 
yeah, look, absolutely. The 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 business that we're in is um, you know, we're exploration development companies, we don't have cash flow. So you have to replace the cash that you spend um through raising new equity and access to equity is the lifeblood of these companies. So absolutely, and, and that's the context by which you know I meant, you know, deploying capital and Jose spoke to it. You you sort of slow down on those on those higher cost. Uh, activities that you do until you get a sense that the the, the liquidity is coming back into the market, that there will be funds invested. Um, and I do think that we saw some green shoots. It's a few days old uh, and there's some positives there and 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 the Fed's starting to taper its rhetoric, which which I think is what's feeding feeding into that. But um, ultimately, you know, the proof will be in in equity raisings and liquidity in the market. That's what's going to um, to tell us that, uh, that 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 things are improving, and it's time to get back to that more business of usual um, type business model. Right, but so if if I was an economist, Jose, you know, I'd I'd be I'd be wanting to talk to you about you know the fundamentals, you know, economy's impact on corporate earnings, you know, technicals, you know, the amount of liquidity in the system, uh, relative valuations. But that's the macro. You probably want to focus on the micro. But likewise, you still those three things are still important to you: fundamentals, technicals, and relative valuations. I mean, so how, how do you how would you suggest people view an organization like yourself? This goes as well to what Ivan was saying. Uh, he alluded into liquidity. And one of the things that we have to be cautious now is that whomever is coming into the market, either if it's a fund or if it's retail, they want to know that they can come in and go out at their pace. And part of the things that we will see, especially with smaller companies, is that they don't have liquidity. And that creates a bigger problem. And that has been part of now the narrative of bigger funds, essentially suggesting, guys, start thinking about doing merger of equals because you need to have a much bigger entity in order to provide a better product to shareholders, which is a bigger company with way more ounces where they could come in and go out. At the same time, it's not only what you can do, you can put into production. Put into production a company that has, say, $200 million market cap. How are you going to finance it? You need to be bigger. And not only that. No, no. You know what? Don't worry about that. I'm going to be bought because I'm so good that someone besides me, it's going to buy me and they're going to pay me 30%. Yes, sir. Perfect. Great. Now, you know that that guy, the bigger guy could buy you, that it's going to cost all his organization to be prepared to buy a $200 million company or to buy a $2 billion company. It's the same effort. So if I am the CEO of a plus $2 billion company, I'm going to buy something much bigger rather than something much smaller because it's the same amount of effort. It's the same amount of time you spend the same amount of money in lawyers, pretty much. So either we as an industry understand that we need to get bigger and we start understanding that it's more important shareholders than your salary and start signing CAs and putting things together or we're condemned to die. Simple as that. I agree with that, but only up until a point. And, and, and it comes again down to to liquidity point because you're absolutely right when 
when these fund managers tell you they want you to consolidate, what they actually say is they want liquidity. They want these companies to be more liquid because it's that's that's the mandate that these guys have for their, uh, you know, they have the metrics that they, they need to make and they want liquidity. They want to be able to come in and out. You need to be careful not to put companies together. you still got to follow merger logic, M&A logic, that says you put one and one and it equals more than two. And so ensuring that you've achieved that, absolutely, because otherwise you end up putting assets together that don't necessarily have a home together. And, and if they were not financeable separately, what makes them, in fact, in some ways, they're less financeable together because you have assets that are competing with each other and you have a team that's, you know, not focused on, you've got capital allocation issues and team and whatnot. So provided there's merger, proper merger logic and synergy and consolidation, and and, and quite often there is, and I agree in the in the industry, people are too focused on, on the on the individual and not on creating shareholder value. Um, and so as long as the MA achieves that, which it can often, and there's a lot of there's a lot of junior companies out there. Um, but yeah, I just caveat that you want to make sure you've got the access to the capital to work the bigger story um, rather than just putting things together to be bigger for the sake of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Actually, some some good good, good points there. It's, it's kind of interesting to me. Um, with regards to the kind of fund, fund market fundamentals, and so I promise to bring this away from the, the the big picture stuff. But you know, I guess the question going forward for companies is, you know, will they will markets benefit from equity specifically benefit from the uh, slowing down in the um, bond yields um, over the last you know couple of months? Um, because I think that you know, in the context of of, of inflation, um, perhaps. You know, equities could could benefit from that. You know, money's got to go somewhere. Presumably, especially with the institutional money, it's got to it's got to go somewhere. Um, I guess the question comes down to, you know, how sticky inflation is on the way down, and you know, if indeed uh, there is a recession, how deep will it be? So, you know, th- th- those are kind of all big questions that companies CEOs need to you know have a have a view on. But let, let's get let's get my focus to um, the way that people. I'm talking retail invest and institutional um, guys invest. Institutionals, you mentioned there, Ivan, they want liquidity. They want to be able to get in and and out of stocks. The companies need to kind of work um, to that. But for for retail, maybe that's not such a big issue because they don't have to trade in and out so much capital. But if you're looking at the market at the moment, um, Jose, what sort of companies would you say that retail are looking at or should be looking at in terms of the stage of development? Because I guess there's a, there's an audience that says, I want a, a 10 bagger, I want a 20 bagger, I'm gonna focus on that. But with that comes a lot of risk. With development companies, perhaps the return is not, well, potentially not as great, but it's being de-risked significantly. So where, where would you point people? You know, I, I keep thinking the, the, the most important thing here is fundamental value. And uh, I keep thinking that you have to be focused on where where you can maximize value, which is on your on advancing your projects on the fundamental value point of uh, of things. I mean, um, we we keep going back to this idea of the world and the macro and uh, and, and where the micro is and where where the capital allocation should go. Uh, the reality is that. In our case, for example, we already have a preliminary economic assessment. We'll move to a pre-fees, but the only thing that will make us go three times is if we have a new discovery. Because again, 
our, our valuation is already embedded. Uh, I think uh, the market has already taken it, has already assumed it. So unless we can show something very different, um, it will not be until <clears throat> the macro runs that we will run. What I mean by that is our project is a total different project at $2,000 than at $1,700 than at $1,450. So, I mean, we, we, we have to focus on execution, 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 and then the market will, will decide. Yeah, look, I, I, I think just to take that idea a little bit further is, is projects that are at these development stages, yes, it's harder to generate that three to five bagger. And, and, and in, in a sense, that's a, a, a shorter term horizon. People, you know, shorter term investors are coming in and they hope they're investing in the hope that the next drill hole will, will, will you know, the Lausanne curve and it goes bananas for the first part of the uh, investment cycle. And that's price, not value. There's a big difference. Um, and uh, and people sort of come in and hope for that. You want to invest in a in a longer term, but be a little bit more institutional in how you think about the world. Spend time looking at quality fundamentals, uh, looking at management team, taking a longer term view. Um, and and in this market, there's there's very good opportunities. Assets like probably both of ours, in fact, uh, companies that are trading at huge discounts to their fundamental value. And, um, and so if you want to approach investments like that, it's, it's got a, a much, a, where your investment is much better supported by fundamentals, you can, you, know, you don't have to be an institution to invest like one. You can, you can think about things a little bit more long-term and, and look to invest in, in value type stocks. But how do I work that out, Ivan? In a company, company like yours, apart from you telling me, how do I as a retail investor go, do you know what? In relation to its peers, this thing is super undervalued and assuming the management team are good and assuming the assets good, I think this one's going to rebound better than most. I mean, what, what are the actual numbers I need to look at? Sure. Well, you just look, you can do a, a really basic sum of the parts valuation. There's, there's different ways to value properties. We're, we're right on the precipice of doing our PEA. It's going to be out in the next couple of months. Um, and, and so, you know, that will put an MPV and then Jose will tell us his MPV. He'll tell you the gold price and importantly, he'll tell you what it, what it is at $2,000 as well as what it is at $1,450 and, and, and $1,700. And, and, and in that situation, you can really, um, if you like gold and you think gold is going to run to $2,000 or $3,000, you can actually calculate what the return on your investment, you know, theoretically return on your investment could be. And, and so that's why companies like ours go to that. PEA stage to sort of articulate the leverage of the asset. Um, uh, Elliot, you know, we're at, a, we're at a resource stage still. We're about to do our PEA, but you can look at, at resource multiples. You know, we're trading at $20 an ounce um, for a project that's about to be PEA averages of 30. So 50% discounted if you like averages. Do it, take it to a PEA, look at discounts to that. Um, and, and you can see real value just supported in our, in our Raya plot project. Um, you know, we happen to have a, a massive investment in our portfolio, which is 60% of a company called, listed company called Southern Cross Gold. And that 60% is worth more than our entire market cap. So we have a negative EV of $8 million. So 
you know, if you like value investment opportunities, there's a there's 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 a really really good place to start. You look at cash versus market cap, um, and, and Jose articulated he's got a very low EV as well, and and then you look at what these companies um, trade at over the average, and and you can see massive investment opportunities to fair value. So, what, Jose, you're in the same, you're in a similar position in the sense that you you're sitting on a bunch of equities which are worth a lot of money. Uh, as well as your cash position, but you're not getting credit for that. It would seem, you know, based on your own, you know, EV um, uh, numbers. Um, why is that? Why do people give you no credit for the equities that you hold? I'm not doing a good job explaining it. Uh, clearly, uh, we we need to do a better job explaining it. Uh, what I mean by that is. When investors sees this, they only see okay cash and equivalents, and what do they what do they mean? Uh, do those are those equivalents, which are those shares in these other companies, has there any merits? And uh, it's not until you start explaining people, no, I mean similar to what Ivan was saying in in, in the company that he he has equities that end up being more than his market cap. You know, we have twenty seven percent of Moneta Gold who has already eleven million ounces. Um, more likely they will end up having 15 to 20 million ounces in the next uh, two years. Uh, if they end up being sold by, say, $600 million, that's worth $200 million. That's double our market cap. Um, so it's not only that we have equities, but we have significant equities with value. And, uh, and I think we have to do a better job explaining the value of those equities and the strategic value as well, because that company, Monita, is around what used to be New Market, which now is, uh, sorry, Agnico Igor. So, uh, you know, um, and if Agnico has detour on the north, more likely they would like this asset. Uh, you don't have to be that smart to realize. And the other part is we have to see things in the context of time. Maybe Two years ago, what was not as much of interest because Agnico didn't consolidate the area. Now the area is consolidated. Now Agnico has detour. Now they understand the idea. Now they know how much money can be made out of a project like that. Now they have a Canadian Malartic. They have a detour. I mean, it is pretty obvious that as the time moves, Monita will be much more important for someone like Agnico. But not only that, for the amount of ounces that they have, anyone could go to that camp. It could be now Newcrest, could be Newmont, because it's plus 10 million ounces. On the other side, you have something like O3 mining with, uh, with Marvan, where we have 2.6 million ounces. Is someone going to go there for 2.6 million ounces? No, I, I don't think so. So we have two options. We put it in production, which we feel very confident that we can do that, or Someone around us, where three of the major companies are around, Agnico, Yamana, Westum, and El Dorado, decides that they want to grow their portfolio, having all the infrastructure in place, and decide to do a takeover. Which at this moment, what we have to do is to protect ourselves, because you don't want to be sold at the very bottom of the market. You want to make sure that everyone understands, hey, oath remaining worth at least $300 million, so don't be so... <laughs> So uh, I don't know what's the word and, 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 and sell your stock. Like this is a moment to actually be, you know, persistent for saying the least. Well, there's someone, well, I think as I've been, before we started filming, you used a phrase um, there which kind of helped me with some, some 
issues I'm 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 facing with retail investors coming back at me and, and saying that I'm I'm perhaps being um, disrespectful to to some some of them in terms of the, the using this phrase, you know, five bagger, or ten bagger, or twenty bagger in a, in a demeaning way. And I and I don't I don't mean to. I just it's really a conversation around. It's hard. It's really hard because by definition, you need to pick the one which is going to work. And there's going to be 19 others which don't work. Okay, but you know that, that I know that's kind of a very crude way of looking at it. But it, that is is not meant to be demeaning. It's it's a conversation about reality. And someone used a phrase which was, "You don't have to be an institution to think like an institution." And therefore, things like trying to call the top and trying to call the bottom become less of an of a concern because you are more readily sure of your diligence that you've done at the beginning. You spent a lot of time and effort at the beginning working out what is good about the management team, the, the company, the asset, the jurisdiction, all the other kind of risk factors you look at before you kind of you know put your money into the company. So you, you know again, I might, I might just stick with you, um, Jose, on this one. Um, do you do you do you do you agree with what you know Ivan's phrase there? You know, you don't have to be an institution to think like an institution, or do you think retail? Do need that kind of fluidity of, of, of thoughts, and there's you know every reason and, and, and lots of drivers which mean that they will behave broadly the same way in an environment like this, which is quite tough emotionally and, and financially. I'll go two steps back, and uh, maybe I'll be more philosophical. The only reason why rich people gets richer. It's because they have liquidity and the ability to invest at the bottom of the markets, which is the moment where you make the most amount of money. That's first of all. If you don't invest today, don't cry tomorrow. Because if you have any money, this is the moment where you put the money to work and you will see a 30, 40, 50, 10 bagger, 20 bagger, whatever. If you don't put your money today, you don't get anything. You don't invest, you don't get anything, first of all. Two, can you get a five-bagger, 10-bagger, or 20-bagger? This is the same thing as if you were an angel investor in San Francisco trying to pick which is the best technology company. What, which are the chances that you can choose Tesla at the very beginning of everything and make a 1,000%? Very little. In fact, sometimes you don't even get the opportunity to invest in those companies. You need to be one of these major institutions. And three, you can still make a lot of money by doing 30 or 40%. You do it in five companies, you achieve the same thing as if you were betting for one company for that 20 buyer. So I rather, my, my, if, I, if I'm investing my money, I prefer to be more, I mean, exposed to the upside, but with that, with, I'm, I, I don't have that much money, that tomorrow could, could create an issue to, to my family. So I have to be moderate. I want the exposure, but I don't want to take all the risk. And, uh, and I think when you go for a 20-bagger, you are really betting for a company is going to begin to put their first couple drill holes and they're going to have a discovery. So then, therefore, high risk, super reward, but it's very high risk. So from a retail investment standpoint of view, and I know it's not typical to invest in these projects that already have a PA, already have a pre-feasibility study, but I'm sorry to say, these are the projects that actually will give you a return, a 30, 40, 50% return with a downside, very little. So 
my thoughts today is, I mean, pick the best 10 companies that you think are right now in the market from a fundamental value standpoint of view, and you will be making money. Do you agree, Ivan? Yeah. Is it yeah, the same, yeah, same, yeah. Is it same for all companies, all, all, re, all retail investors? Uh, well, look, I don't, I don't really like the term retail and institution. I, like, I think, I think it's your behaviour which characterises what type of investor you are. And um, and you're out there for shorter term, high value, high catalyst, high torque type type things like expiration results, drill hole to drill hole. You want maximum liquidity. You want to be able to get in, get out, put little bits of capital to work. I, and that's how you should, if you're playing that game, that's how you should be investing. Put little bits in 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 things, backstories. Um, and um, and yeah, you can get lucky, but by definition, I mean if. If it were otherwise, you'd just be the greatest way of making money in the world. If you could just back them and they were all 10 baggers, then it'd be easy. Everyone would be doing it and you would arb out the opportunity and it wouldn't exist. So um, there, is a, there is a strong case, and this is why you see the institutionals and private equity tend to invest large amounts of capital in later stage companies with studies that have fundamental value that's underpinned through engineering work, resource definition, studies, feasibility studies, cost estimates, development plans that are outlined and have had some thought put in. Yeah, there's risk, there's earlier stage projects. Some studies have done well and that's how they make their money. They look at management teams that have done a good job that understand the problem, uh, know what they don't know, how to deal with problems as they come up. Um, and uh, But they look at things that are deeply discounted and they, they weigh up that risk return and they put a lot of money to work. And, and yeah, as, as Jose said, you can... And they do. They make lots of money. You, you turn, you make a 30, 40% profit four or five times in a row. And uh, that's a that's that's seriously, that's a seriously rewarding business to be in. And it's much, much lower risk than investing in in in, in pure exploration stories with a with a probably a shorter term outlook. But do you, do you think the way that the market's going at the moment, um, because, you know, juniors, when you're first starting off, you, you know, the go-to thing in North America is you go public, right? Um, it's, it's what you do to raise raise capital because private money is harder to come by uh, for lots of reasons. And, um, you know, there was a, a, a CEO of a billion dollar company. I said to him, you've done a great job there. Um, what are you going to do next? You're going to just get a cookie cutter this and, and, and go again. He said, um, yes, in terms of another asset, but no, in terms of going public because the public market has been tough. He said, um, if I could do this again and stay private, I would. So the, <laughs> there you go. For, from a guy who's actually, you know, done it reasonably well, he said, that's, that's the way to go. And I think, you know, us, you know, we're putting 20 million into a project um, ourselves, but we're going to keep it private for as long as we possibly can. Public markets can be tough um, for, for, for guys like you um, because, you know, of these sort of ups and, ups and downs. But likewise, it's tough for investors, um, perhaps a little bit less experienced or um, knowing about how these things work. So, you know, I, I just, we, we try our best to try and, have guys like you come on and, and share your experience about the, the ups and downs of the market. So I guess the good news is it's a cycle and we'll come out the other side. Do you agree with that, Jose? Or, is, or are we in this for uh, longer than we'd care to think? Well, I think I, I certainly believe it's a cycle. And, and I think uh, we, we should not have a short memory. And uh, this just happened only uh, in COVID where everything came down, not only the... Uh, 
the commodities, but even even the technological equities. So equities in general came down and then rebound. Um, um, I certainly believe that this is close to the bottom if it's not the bottom. And because I am not uh, a guru and I don't have a crystal ball, I think uh, whomever has liquidity, this is a, a very good moment probably to start deploying cash um, and be prepared for for the turnaround. I mean, all the all the information, all the all, all what we know from from history, from the five different recessions in the in the world uh, since the seventeen hundreds, and uh, repeated on the ninety seven, repeated on sorry seventy nine, ninety seven, two thousand and eight. I mean, um, this just taste and smell like fish, and when it tastes and smells like fish, it's fish. So uh, it will happen, and it will come back. <laughs> I like, I like and look, I, I would say objectively speaking, like, so much of the current market is, it, it, look, it's all sentiment and momentum. Gold price is 1700 uh, $1,765 today. You know, and, and all of our companies were worth a lot more at $1,300 gold than they are today. And your asset probably has only gotten better since that point in time. You haven't found less gold. I, I can almost assure you none of us have found less gold since that time. So what's changed? Gold price has gone up. The asset, the, you know, the amount of money that you can make from that asset has gone up and the equity has gone down. So, you know, does that tell you that there's something fundamentally broken with the mining industry or with investing in resources and how you make money out of mining? No. <laughs> says that sentiment's changed and, and, and people have moved away from the sector for various reasons and, and there's different different reasons depending on who you are. Um, but there's nothing to say, say that this is not a cycle. It's, I've never, haven't even ever really crossed my mind that this wouldn't be cyclical because it just, because it is. Okay. Well, let's, let's work out how we make money. So I'm going to give each of you two minutes to sell your company, you can be overt as you like, no problem. Let's see what people make of it all. Jose, do you want to kick us off? Sure, happy to do that. So in the case of O3 mining, you will be making money because of the fundamental value of the project. 2.6 million ounces, where we have already a PEA, $423 million, which is three times our market cap. And that is at $1,450 per ounce gold price. We're moving to a pre-fees, so we're going to a more mature study and things are progressing very well. We have equities on other companies that has a lot of value, uh, such as Monita, uh, where we have 27% of the company. We have $80 million in the bank for practical purposes uh, between cash and, and equities. And, uh, and on top of that, we are in an area that has produced over 40 million ounces and four of the major companies are around us. And not less important, we are 12 kilometers from a mine that it's about to run out of ore by 2027 on an open pit basis, and they're going to need feed for that. So we can benefit in two reasons, in two ways. One, by maybe processing the ore there, but we don't control that. Or two, they may end up having to buy the ore, or three, maybe they end up doing something with, uh, with us. So we have our option to go by ourselves, our option to create tension, our option to essentially generate value to shareholders. Ivan, would you like to right, sell so us? 
Okay, so look, Mawson again, you know, similar. He's a he's a he's a really deep value player. You look at the the component assets in our portfolio, um, and uh, and you can see that there's you know significant opportunity for a re-rate. Effectively, we've got the Rayplot project in Finland. Uh, it's a million ounces. It's growing. It's got significant expiration upside, down dip, and uh, and also within a very large land holding, a very prospective ground with with a significant mineralization event, six meters of 617 grams on the other side of the property that, that is potty and not something that has been drilled out to a resource, but a lot of gold. So we've got a huge amount of expiration upside still, but we've also got a project on our hands and we're doing a PEA. It's going to be released in the next couple of months. Um, and uh, that's going to show that, that that the project we have is, is has got serious value to it. And it is going to help people understand as you find more, just how much, how much, um, just what is the value of that expiration upside as we found it, as we find it. We've also got um, a, a new discovery down in Sweden that's in the shadow of the head frame, seven million ounces, only two holes released from that, but something brand new, new property never been drilled, and uh, and and you look at those assets and they easily underwrite the value in Mawson. On top of that, but wait, there's more. Um, we have a, you know, we have a very large shareholding in in one of the hot new, uh, well, hottest new sort of stories down on the ASX called Southern Cross Gold. Mawson owns sixty percent of that, and the uh, the value of those shares is more than our entire market cap, thirty seven, thirty nine million dollars today. Uh, Mawson's market cap is thirty two, so uh, so you're getting those for free, uh, and you're getting a, a high quality undervalued development story in Finland. So I think it's uh, something well worth taking a look at. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today and sharing your thoughts on on the market and perhaps how people should be looking at investing and, of course, telling us about uh, your companies. We'll see you soon.